This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. and welcome to a new episode of Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lala Ericoglu. Hello. Somehow, we are nearing the halfway point of August as summer's end is approaching, and we're looking towards final beach days and future cozy fall trips. We thought it was high time to catch you up on all the books we've read recently and the ones we're looking forward to reading throughout the rest of the year to offer a little bit of inspiration. As a reminder, all of the authors that we'll mention today are women. Joining us are Jen Dilling Martin, an associate publisher at Riverhead Books, and Kalima D'Souza, activist and founder of the intersectional feminist bookstore Cafe Con Libros in Brooklyn, to give us all of their suggestions. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Thanks, Meredith. Firstly, before we get into books, how are both of your summers going? I feel like I haven't had a summer yet because it's it feels like every time I go to plan a vacation, something comes up. First, it was that we couldn't get a passport for the baby. I didn't even know he needed a passport. I was like, babies need passports? Yes, they do. Um, and now it's COVID and, you know, the ups and downs of owning a, a small business. So I feel like I have not yet had a full on summer with the exception of Reese Beach, People's Beach, completely like laid out with my friends so I'm really hoping to sort of end the summer on a bang I'm hoping and I'm hoping you all are having a better summer than I am I mean I've also been to Reese Beach it's my favorite beach (laughs) Jin how's your summer going well, I have to say for anyone on the East Coast, the entire month of July was like a monsoon. This is just, I guess, the new weather. And now, now also on the East Coast, we're getting all the smoke from the West Coast, which I'm like, if it is this bad here, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what everyone else is doing and living yes. like out there. So um, it's feeling a little apocalyptic. We have our first international trip. It's booked. It's going to happen. I'm committed to it. So we're going back to my absolute favorite city in the world, Day Efe, Mexico City, uh, flying out on my birthday two more weeks from now. And I'm just like, I can't even get over how excited. We have a lot of friends there. They're all excited that we're coming. Thankfully, it's an entire city of outdoor dining. So we can just walk the parks, eat outdoors. There's a place I go. It's my ritual to go the moment I land to get a mango and guanabana juice. And I just can feel that juice. It's on the horizon. (laughs) I will make it. I will make it. So happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Almost Virgo season. Yeah. (laughs) Lolly, where are you going? 
I'm also leaving the country. Yes. And I'm going to Antigua in the Caribbean. And I'm meeting up with my best friend from London there. Oh my God, how nice. And just going to lie on the beach for a week. I I love a good friend trip. So excited. Such a nice way to travel. Especially when you're going somewhere like so low key and you can Mm. just catch up and relax. That sounds... So delightful. So I know. I can't quite believe I'm, I'm, you know, it's, what is it, Thursday today and leaving on Sunday. And I am also going to the beach. I'm not leaving the country, but I'm going to Hilton Head with some friends. So I feel like we are all in need of, at a bare minimum, a book to take on a trip to a beach, whether it's down the street or half a world away. Not, I mean, nowhere we're going is half a world away. Maybe like a quarter of a world away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll expand the reach next time we chat. But for inspiration for people who are listening, Jin, we'll start with you as always. Um, What books have been really exciting you recently? Okay, so my first recommendation, it's a little more literary, but very, very moving. It's a novel called Ghost Forest by a debut novelist, Pixuan Feng. And it's very much about father-daughter relationships, how, I mean, you know, Spoiler alert, going to speak a lot for myself right now, but just like how that fear that you're always disappointing your dad, like you never can be quite good enough. And it's told in this very spare, compact, concise way where chapters are just even one paragraph long and there's like 180 chapters all with these really great titles. But so, you know, there's one where she goes to her dad on advice for where to go to college and he just says, well, none of them are Harvard it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, like that kind of like painful, slightly funny, slightly dark little moments. And it's just so beautifully written. Like if you're a fan, I I was, to me, it was sort of like Ocean Vuong for anyone who loved his novel meets Lydia Davis, like witty, spare, compact, like almost, I don't like saying poems because then you think it's like hard or literary in some way, because they're not. It's actually very readable, but almost just like a clear, spare storytelling. I was really touched by this book. It sounds so good. Again, I think when we've been talking in the past about like books to take on trips, things that you can like get through and it can take up a day or your entire trip are are really great options to bring along. Kalima, what, what has been a book that you have loved? This has been a very interesting reading year, probably for everyone, if you can even get through a book. So I think that if I'm thinking about the beach, I think that I'm going to go with Fat Chance, Charlie Vega. And it's a YA novel, romance, but it's talking about fat phobia. It's talking about um, intersectionality at the cent- in the space of mixed race relationships, being a mixed race child and not fitting in, um, queer relationships and queer families. And the ways in which we place upon people our own stories and our own insecurities and how that interrupts relationships. So absolutely loved this book and loved that it was also a love story, not only between the main character, Charlie Vega, and her partner, Brian, but also between the two best friends and the mother-daughter relationship that needs a lot of healing. At the core of it is this discussion about grief and grief that is unspoken and unrecognized and how it, again, permeates every part of your life. And so you're eating around it and you're dancing around it, but you're not addressing it. Just loved, love, love Fat Chance Charlie Vega. So that's what I would take to the beach. 
I would love to talk to you about reading young adult books as not a young adult, because that is also the position that I am in. I love reading YA books. What draws you to young adult books? Yeah, so I have about three on my list for today. You know, I had never read young adult books until last year, actually. And I think that I just happened upon it and now am addicted to it. I think that young adult books gets to the heart of issues in the most succinct, digestible, and wildly crazy way. But it also, I think, helps us to begin to heal our young adult selves, like our young, like the the child that still exists inside of us. So with Fat Chance Charlie Vega, it gave me an opportunity to go back to who I was when I was in high school and to like really sit with all her insecurities and love up on the person that I was back then and show compassion and ease for Charlie and what she was going through. So I just think that it, this is not reality because I'm not a 17 year old, yet it is reality because I lived this life and is getting to like the real issues of present day in the most digestible way. It's not heavy, it's fun often, and it's very creative. So I'm in love with YA and I'm so sad that I've come to it so late in life. That is like the most compelling argument for reading YA I've ever heard. <laughs> that was I'm blown away. <laughs> I agree. I feel like that was just now I'm like, okay, I go pick up more. Yeah. Well, because because I was going to ask, you know, I think a lot of people once they've reached adulthood kind of dismiss YA as something that is no longer for them or, you know, I isn't. I think there is a certain level of snobbery as well and that it isn't literary enough or whatever. For people who are not young adults and want to dip their toes in it as an older, more experienced person, um, what are some books that you would recommend for them to kind of break through? Yeah, so it depends on what they're interested in, right? Like, so another one that's on my list is If You Could Be Mine by Sarah Farazan. And that's a queer LGBTQ book that's set in Iran. So again, intense content, but in the way that you, you don't have to read the sentence more than once. You read it once and it hits you versus if you were reading an adult book, you have to read it three times over. I think some of the, like Ray Bearer, if you are thinking about sci-fi, science fiction stuff. The other one that I really loved was um, Don't Hate the Player, another um, romance bo- novel by Alexis Ned. Just talking about gaming and afro Puerto Rican community and sort of, again, addressing these heavy issues of like, as an immigrant child, the expectation is that you're not going to be a gamer. You just don't do that. And yet she's slaying at gaming and she's interrupting a male-dominated society or a sort of field. And it's just a way of having a different type of conversation that we probably are having, but in a very different, heavy, oh my gosh, you know, kind of sort of way. Young adults, you've got to keep them engaged and, and excited about it. So you, it can't all be heaviness. It has to be levity. Which sounds perfect right now, given that, you know, I think the past year and a half, I've gone through phases of reading really intensely and just gobbling up books and then finding it really, really, really hard to not not just commit to a book, but really even just keep my attention span on a page. Um, I have like the attention span of a gnat right now. Um, (laughs) And what you just described sounds perfect for where my head is at. Yes, yes. And speaking of young adult books, I do just want to give my dear friend Jessica Goodman a shout out. Her latest book, They'll Never Catch Us, came out this week and I'm so excited for her. And then in terms of books that I've read recently, this is a bit of a contrast and it was Jin's recommendation on an earlier podcast. I read Salvation City by Sigrid Nunes 
um, which anyone who listened to some of the, I think it was the last books episode we did, Jin recommended it. And it is a novel that is set in a post-pandemic America, which sounds triggering and surprisingly wasn't. And Lale, did you feel so seen? Like, you're like, I did. how did Sigrid know? How did she know? I did feel incredibly seen. And I think it was just there was something, I wouldn't say the comforting, but there was something enjoyably interesting about reading about the after. I think we're so sort of fixated on the before and then also obviously the present, but that at some point there is an after and what does that look like and who do people become in that after, which is something that I'm really interested in the moment because... You know, not that we're out of the woods yet, but we're definitely in a new phase, in a different phase and a slightly more hopeful one. And I feel a slightly different person than I was in March 2020. And I'm sure most other people do, too. Um, And just reading someone who made so many very on point observations about a global pandemic, then like kind of meditate on what the after could look like was just really fascinating to me. If she could be so right about the pandemic, maybe she could be so right about the after. Which I'm not entirely sure. See, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. Be. I don't know. Life just does go on, and I will say that. <laughs> oh Bunch of anti-vaxxers gosh. still kicking around, but... Jen, since your recommendations seem to go over so well, what else have you loved lately? So... Sorry, not sorry. It's not quite out, but out, I think, in about two weeks from when you're listening to this is the new Sally Rooney. Uh, It's called Beautiful World, Where Are You? It is so yummy. It is absolutely everything we've all been waiting for, just as good as the previous two. And plot twist, uh, in this new novel, the main character is herself a young woman who has become a famous novelist and is dealing with that fame. And there are scorched earth passages about the ways that people on Twitter presume to know the lives of the authors just because they've seen their photograph, they've read them interviewed, and then they can just pass judgment on the decisions they're making with their life that are so beautifully written. And you can just feel kind of you know, not to project too much. Sorry, Sally, since that's your point, but like the rage of Sally Rooney on the page being like, you know, nothing about me, nothing. (laughs) Um, But a lot of sex, a lot of relationships, her very acute observational eye and just like a delight, a delight, rush out and get it. And from what I gather, a decent amount of travel as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. She takes her brand new Tinder boyfriend to Italy early in the novel. It's quite exciting. Yeah, a lot of swiping and a lot of spontaneous trips. From page one, it's like returning to a favorite armchair. You're just like in a safe place and she's cuddling you and the language is exactly what you need it to be and the story reels you in. She really is a virtuoso. She is great. She's great. Oh, I love it. Um, Kalima, what else have you been really enjoying that you've read recently? So, you know, this is hard because um, I'm a little bit biased from these two Brooklyn-based authors, women of color, who both have shows coming out about their books. And I'm not even sure which one to choose, but I think that I'm going to choose because I'm going to choose seven, the Seven Days in June um, by Tia Williams. And I am choosing that because I really feel like 
is a romance, but it's also a complicated love story. And I think that there's a difference between a romance novel and a and and sort of love stories. And this is a complicated love story that is about two people who met um, 15 years ago and then they meet up again 15 years later, and they have to sort of settle whatever it is that they had they that they had things that were left undone. Um, but the reason why I think that this is a gem is because she's, again, tackling so many issues in this book. It's funny. It's deep. It's hard. It triggers you. Um, but it also is like talking about issues around disability, like unseen disabilities. And so the main character has debilitating migraines. And I've, and, and she talks about that and it talks way, the, the ways in which she used to live her life around this disability. And, and she thinks that she will never find love and that she's not worthy of love. Like all this stuff is because of this disability. And sometimes we limit our care for people to what we can see versus being curious about the whole the whole holistic person. And she really brings that into focus. She also talks about the publishing industry just as the other black girl by Zakia Delilah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's Delilah. I think it's Delilah Harris. Um, and they're also both talking about what's happening in the publishing industry and how white it is and like the, the fact that folks do not have access and people critique their works in, in a way that they don't critique other people's work. So I think, again, these are multi-dimensional characters in terms of Tia's book is a multi-dimensional character that's talking about many different things. Um, she's not a tragic story, you know, on some levels and she is seeking joy and she's talking about love and being vulnerable. And I just loved it. And the cover. The, I was just about to say the cover is gorgeous. It is like one of those books that if you walk past it in a bookstore, you have to purchase it because it is like, I have to read this book. I have to know what's inside. It's beautiful so well done i love it i love it and it's it's really fucking funny <laughs> it's like just really funny again it's just like it's heavy topics and yet it's written in a very light way and it is making me think about things in life and love and especially black love i have heard so many good things about this book and the only reason i haven't picked it up is because i haven't i have such a like tall book tall stack of books to read that i haven't been letting myself get into bookstores because i know if i do i'm gonna walk past the cover and be like you gotta buy it. you gotta buy it you gotta buy it (laughs) oh my gosh um but yes very much on my to read list because it just sounds so amazing we've all been there before You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration. A kitchen with no space. A toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. 
She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Lale, what else have you got that you have loved? So a book that I actually read on the beach in the Rockaways with Meredith a few weeks ago was um, Uncanny Valley by Anna Wiener, um, which is a memoir. It's her her first book, but she's contributed to places like The New Yorker, um, doing a variety of essays, mostly looking at the tech industry. Um, And her memoir is about her time working in Silicon Valley right in the moment where it kind of really boomed in the 2010s and also I think one of the things that's really interesting about it is she wasn't like majorly successful in Silicon Valley she was very much a cog in the industry and it is she makes these incredibly sharp observations about the power that exists in Silicon Valley the wealth inequality in San Francisco and that wider region and She makes very funny observations about how ridiculous these billionaires are that run these companies and these 25-year-olds that have been given too much money to play with to run these. um, And and usually 25-year-old white men who have been given too much money by venture capitalists to run these companies and have no idea how to run a company or manage people. Um, And even just the observations she makes about the free snacks ah chef kiss and it was so enjoyable to read and also just like slightly terrifying when you think about that industry and the power that it still holds i've been reading books that are like fun i will say (laughs) (laughs) it's a fun read though because she is such a storyteller and so funny in how she renders it i mean and also the other thing that I think is such she, she's so skilled at doing is the way in which she never gives away who she's talking about. Oh, wow. You can cut, you know, if you do enough research, you can figure it out. But she's like very, very subtle and she never reveals names. It's, it's very, it's very, very skilled at it. Wonderful. Yeah, there's also another one called A Startup Wife that just came out, I think, a couple of weeks ago that I'm really curious about, and hopefully I'll get to read it pretty soon. I just want to shout out that uh, last episode, Lale was halfway through Patricia Lockwood, No One Is Talking About This, which is now a Booker Prize long list. And so congratulations on Great Taste, Lale. Curious how you <laughs> felt about the second half. <laughs> Taste maker, prize. I feel great. Prize you know, kicker. She wouldn't have been long listed without me. No, <laughs> Patricia, if you're listening, you're welcome. (laughs) Well, speaking of books that you are excited to read that have just come out or are coming out in the fall or winter, um, Jen, what do you have on your new releases, soon to be released list of things to read? Okay, so partly because I know you're going to cover some of the others. I just want to say quickly about two novels we have this fall. Um, that are so awesome and everyone should have on their, like, add to their Goodreads to read shelf. Um, one is the writer Tiffany Unique. She's from the Virgin Islands. She had a debut novel, uh, The Land of Love and Drowning, years ago. 
took time off to have kids, as one does, but she is finally back. It is a spectacular novel called Monster in the Middle. Uh, the New Yorker has already excerpted it and is coming in October. And it looks at generations of love and partnership and asks the question like, did the ways our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents partnered and related to one another affect who and how we will love our partner today? So it moves through time in this really beautiful way and it travels, you know, from, from the Virgin Islands, California, New York, like it's a very good travel movement book and a good, a great love story. So that's, that's one, love her. Um, the other one, this is a perennial favorite on this podcast, so this is why I've got to flag it. The wonderful Claire V. Watkins is back. You've stolen <laughs> my back. idea, <laughs> Oh, no, do you want to? I can leave it for you, Meredith. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, we can talk about it now. Um, one, the title of this book, I Love You But I've Chosen Darkness, is like... Incredible. Mic drop. Mic drop. I just don't love it. I love I you, just... but I've chosen darkness. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. And the cover is just a cactus on fire. Uh, I'm... <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the cover I'm really a... spoke to me. Um, we talked about one of our other books, Gold Fame Citrus, as one of those like post-apocalyptic slash apocalyptic books that like you should only read if you're in the right mindset mm -hmm. during this time. But I am so excited for her new book. And I know less about what it's about than you do, Jen. So I'm going to hand it back to you to, to talk about that. Uh, so it's certainly autofiction. It is a young mother like Claire and named Claire who just cannot take it anymore. She can't take her husband. She can't take and have a child. And she goes on a crazy desert road trip, leaving them behind, does mushrooms in Reno. And it is so funny, so dark. So funny. But if you know any parents in your life who just like cannot anymore with having children, this is the, the cathartic book that they have needed. I was screenshotting and texting passages to so many friends I have of young <laughs> kids just being like, oh, don't you wish. <laughs> it is. And unlike Old Fame Citrus, I will say, which is a very serious, dark mid-apocalypse novel this is a very very funny book and it's it's still as dark but it's it's claire's humor is really on fire here that sounds like just what mothers who've been stuck at home for a year and a half exactly. absolutely need some level of you see me you get this right like you get how complicated this whole thing about mothering in a pandemic or even not in a pandemic is right yeah, yeah, yeah. totally i get that I'm having those conversations a lot about how difficult it is to be a mom and how many how much sacrifice it is on some levels, especially like in the earlier years, it is in terms of who we are as human beings that has to be put aside. And some of us walk into it like, yes, I'm ready to put that aside and others walk into it a little bit more reluctant. And I think it's, you know, when you say that, that's, you know, for me personally is something I think about a lot and I'm terrified about when I think about motherhood. And it's so crazy to me that people just speak to women in their 30s and they're like, so when are you having kids? And so you just, it's like going and buying some fruit. Right. Like you just, right. you just do it. Right. And like, the, like, it's just so, you know, que sera, sera. It's not. It's like a very, very deep 
deep sacrifice and a lot it requires a lot well you should be thinking about it very deeply um and taking it very seriously so and we don't talk about the other side as much i think that the pandemic has allowed us to talk more honestly about what it means to be a mom um but i think before that people wanted to rosy it up all the time and that gets on my nerves so yes bring those kind of stories on because we need to sort of complicate motherhood on some real tips you know and make it okay i imagine to say that there are days when you don't enjoy being a mother. Hello. Definitely. My friend said, I said, today I don't like Emiliano. She said, oh, it's just today because there were weeks when I didn't like my children. <laughs> and I was like, I was like yes, thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, Kalima, what books are you looking forward to reading this fall and winter? So I will tell you this, that last year I was gushing about Lobizona by Romina Garber. And I am now going to start gushing about Casadora, the second one in the series. It is back. It is undocumented, unprotected, and unbreakable. She's on her way to finding her family and making amends and like bringing things together. But she's also talking about, again, like what does it mean to live live in the shadows and like how does that impact the way in which you engage the world and how we engage love and relationships like it's always this feeling of like this person may leave or not wanting the person to leave because there's nothing permanent when you are undocumented um and so but again it's a YA story fantasy story that is getting at some some deep and dark and heavy issues social issues including separation, right? Like family separation in this country. But it's told in such a way that it's heavy, but I'm willing to go there because the world around it is so beautifully done and constructed. And so you get lost in the beauty of it instead of just the trauma of it. And I think that that's, again, what YA and fantasy can allow for us to do is that sometimes adult books like, can just say, okay, well, here's the tragedy and that is it, is reality. Stick to that and we don't want to hear nothing else. But fantasy allows you to be in a hard mess of things, but in a beautiful setting. And so you can you can have both and, and you can have the love story and you can have the friendships and you can have all this stuff like around immigration and being undocumented and being same sex and like not being able to have a space, yet there's something absolutely beautiful about the world that's constructed around it. So it makes it more um, digestible and more sort of like easy on the heart. I cannot even tell you, it came in the mail yesterday. I literally went batshit crazy. I was like, it's here! I text the author, I said, it's here! You know, and I'm like, so I jumped right into it. I miss my friends. And this is what YA can do for you. These are your friends. This energy I, is unmatched <laughs> about this series. I love it so I much. I love Casadora. Oh, yeah, she did a great job with this. So exciting. Um, Lale, what are you most excited to read coming up? So a book that I'm excited to read, and I'm going to admit that I actually know nothing about it other than the fact that my friend who I'm meeting up with in Antigua is already there and was like, I've just finished this book and I've set it aside for you. And it's The Paper Palace, which I think is a Riverhead book. Indeed it is. Um, By Miranda Cowley Heller. And again, I know really nothing about it other than people seem very excited to be reading it. And it's waiting for me on a beach. I think it is a great beach read. It is a great beach read. Do you want just the basic premise? Yeah, give us us the synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. It opens, and this is the first two pages, so it's not a spoiler, 
a happily married woman is having a dinner party uh, with her mother, her husband, her children, and also her childhood best friend and ex, you know, romance crush, Jonas, his wife, kids. Um, and she and Jonas have slipped out of the dinner party and they have fucked against the wall of the cabin. And then they've come back into the dinner party. I'm so sorry. The first two pages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, okay, yeah, so wait, is this like a, (laughs) yes, I'm here for all of it. What's the, what's the, so what's the underlying, um, what, what, what is she tackling? What issue is she tackling in this book? Well, I don't want to spoil too much for Lale, but it's basically what, what do you do when you have two choices and you want both of them, but they're in conflict? And I think this is a question maybe emerging from pandemic when you're saying, who do I want to be on the other side of this? Like some people are making some major upheaval life decisions. I don't know about you guys. I have several friends who got divorced during pandemic, others who got together and are getting married. But like what version of myself, this has really woken us up. Like there's one life to live. Who do I want to be in it? And uh, it's easy when one choice is good and one is bad, but what about when they both are really appealing, but in total conflict? So she secretly harbored this love for Jonas since she was little. A tragic thing that I won't say more about is a reason that they never did actually get together, but she's always wondered what it would be like to be with him. Meanwhile, she's happily married. She has these kids. Is she going to throw that all away now at age 50? Like, tough, tough. Only Lolly's got to read I'm 300 so pages to find out. What's she going to do? Yeah. I am all for that. I, you're absolutely right. Like, I think that there. this is a time when people are asking major questions of themselves. but And especially women. I think that because mm. so much... We've talked about the imbalance, right? The third shift, whatever. Like, we've talked about imbalance for many years. But I think that it was taken to another level for the past year and a half. And I will say, as, you know, Afro-Latinx and with a toddler and a husband that tries his hardest, I reached my own limit with what I was going to tolerate from him and saying to myself, like, you have, you've really operated as a second species, like the lowest species for too long. Get it together, you know? And so I do think that this is, this is the time when these books are necessary. Again, it gives us permission to question Not to live an unquestioned life, not to live an unexamined life just because everything has fallen into place. Yes. Enough of that. I think this world closing down has really opened something up for folks. Wow. Look out, Brene Brown. Today's podcast. This is like (laughs) life wisdom, life wisdom. I was like, if that is not the most powerful (laughs) sentence to end this episode on, I really don't think we're going to come up with a better one. Also, can't Um, believe that I literally was like, yeah, this book that I know I should read, but I don't know anything about led to this moment of complete like profoundness. It's time. Oh, standing ovation, Cleveland. Yes, exactly. oh, beautiful. Lali, <laughs> you have a good friend on your hands. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, my husband's gone for a run, and I'm just like, all right, sorry, no Jonas around here. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys both so much for joining us today. Um, if people want to keep up with what you and Cafe Con Libros are up to, Kalima, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, IG Cafe Con Libros underscore BK. Perfect. And Jin? I'm on the Twitter with Jin with four N's. And also Riverhead Books always has what our great books and authors are up to. 
Amazing. I'm at Oh Hey There Mare. I'm at Lale Hannah. You'll be able to find links to all of the books that Klima, Jin, Lale, and I have mentioned this episode in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. And if you want to pick any up to read for yourself, be sure to buy them from your local indie. Be sure also to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram at Women Who Travel and sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter. Thank you both again so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There's five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts.